in a time period where the, you were good you you that was a solid yeah. time to be batman but now look at like how much money robert downey jr is making and just be like how, like how did i miss out on this hi and welcome to episode center nation my name is brandon sparks and I'm Thomas Horton. And here at Cinenation, we like delving into genre. We like kind of studying film genre, analyzing it, looking at the tropes of everything. And what we like doing is we like taking a month out of the year and examining one full genre. And for the month of June, we've been analyzing the theater genre in film. And last week, we talked about All About Eve, and we've also kind of just established the tropes of the genre. And so, so Thomas, uh, what are some of the tropes and stories that kind of reoccur in the theater genre, just to give people some a recap of what we've talked about the past few episodes? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the main things we've talked about that everyone would be familiar with is kind of the, the f- seeing the fall of, like, established stars uh, directly coincide with like the rise of a new star that's um that's one of the main things we've seen but within that we've also gotten a little bit more about like the idea of, a, of an aging star and um you know we've we've, we've talked about the, kind of the idea of a, of a diva or, or just a, a an actor with a huge ego um is usually established as the kind of the older person that's on their way out they might be paranoid about about losing their fame and um, and we've also seen the kind of up and coming new actors who will do anything to get to the top. And then something we've talked about, it's not it's not as widely established, but something we noticed just across a lot of the movies was a lot of them were structured in that you were watching a show get ready. And then in the third act, you, were, you actually see the show happening. Yeah, the big the big kind of finale of the show, either like an opening night is kind of the big thing that a lot that gets brought into it. Uh, one thing too, we we've kind of touched on a little bit, and I think it's going to come up m- more in this episode than any of the other episodes, is the idea of art versus like art versus money, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like commerce versus art, and how in this kind of genre, theater is considered the ultimate art for acting, and Hollywood and film is considered like a sellout role. Yeah, and I think that's going to be even more prominent in our movie for today, which is Birdman. Or the unexpected virtue of innocence, or of ignorance, not innocence. The unexpected virtue of ignorance, a title no one calls this movie. <laughs> and you have this idea of art versus money in this. And also, there's a little bit of the relationship between an actor and a theater critic, which I think was a big portion of All About Eve. Mm-hmm. And is also a little bit uh, of a big thing here in, in, this, uh, in, in Birdman. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. And for those that are going to be listening, we're going to be spoiling the movie. So if you want to watch it, if you haven't seen it in a while, you've never seen it, you can rent it on Amazon, probably iTunes or wherever you rent your movies. I think we we both had a copy is what, what we did. Mm-hmm. Keep your physical media, guys. It's, it's useful. Um, so yeah, so Birdman, it stars Michael Keaton. Edward Norton, Naomi Watts, Emma Stone, uh, Zach Kalvinakis, Amy Ryan, a bunch of great people, directed by Alejandro Iñárritu. And Birdman is about Riggan Thompson, who is this aging Hollywood actor who is trying to transition to be like a legitimate actor. So he decides to go to Broadway and write, direct, produce, and star in his own play where he's adapting from a Raymond Carver novel. And it's all done in one shot and you're kind of seeing him and his company of people 
as they're preparing for the opening night of the show. And they're going through a few previews as a way to kind of establish you're seeing kind of the, the rough edges of the show. Uh, and then you bring in, because one of their actors gets hurt, and you bring in Mike Shiner, who is played by Edward Norton. Uh, and you also have Riggins daughter who is played by Emma Stone. Her name is Sam and she's kind of just been out of rehab and kind of drug addicted character. Who's trying to establish a relationship with her father finally. And she's playing his assistant now as well. That covers it about Birdman. What were your initial thoughts about this movie? Um, I mean, I when, remember when re- being rewatching it. Oh, I was about to say from the first time because this, this both was times, both times. This was really my second. I've caught it on television Same. a few times, but this was my second like full rewatch of it. Um, and I, I was I was blown away by it the first time I saw it. So it yeah. was it was definitely I was excited to check it out again. It's not one that you necessarily like plug in for a good time. I, I mean, it is it is a satire. <laughs> like it's not it is, it's, yeah. it's not a you know heavy drama or anything. But uh, it's it's just so like manic and and almost exhausting. It's not necessarily one that I like think of a good bit uh, to like watch a whole lot. So, but I was I was really excited to come back to it. Um, I, I yeah, texted we saw you... we saw we saw it together like 2014 yeah. when it first came out. Our Clyde Hollywood baby, mm-hmm. first semester of film school. <laughs> but yeah, so we were saying you texted me. Yeah, I texted you and I said it, it's it's really fun to go back and look at you know what you might call the the, the keatonizants you know the, this i remember yeah. the energy going in to see this like oh man michael keaton's back this movie is like made for him it is literally about him and yeah and he kills it and um you know that was before spotlight and before spider-man and 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 it's really fun to go back and like see this and and be like oh that happened like this movie did that yeah this movie launched him back into the mainstream and weirdly mirrors what Riggin is going for in the play. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's so like you're saying, it's about him. Keaton would later say it's the, the, the role that is the least like him, mm-hmm. which is funny to, to, to think about. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody thinks Michael Keaton is like this off stage, but, but you know, yeah. the, the, the idea the of circumstances, the circumstances. Of yeah. And, and, and just the, the, the headspace you've got to be in to be someone who made like a, a decent amount of money playing a superhero yeah and then to be living through this period where these other actors are making ungodly amounts of money playing superhero like like how does it feel to have been (laughs) batman in a time period where you were good you you, that was a solid time to be batman but now look at like how much money robert downey jr is making and just be like like how did i miss out on this like exactly and he's probably making like as much as keaton made in the first batman for a cameo role in whatever movie i don't know mm-hmm. uh yeah and and there's even like kind of scenes where like oh jimmy i was like when he's like listing off actors to bring in to replace the actor who gets hurt oh, bring in that guy. Yeah, I love, when he, they say fastbender they say that he's doing the prequel to the x-men prequel <laughs> or it's like renner he's in the avengers movie i mean i got him too mm-hmm. it's just like every good actor is in a superhero film and what's so interesting too is that you cast edward norton as the guy who's the real theater actor who won't do those movies and you kind of have a whole history he's already done him one. super yeah he's already done one but weirdly even his stuff mirrors it because there's a conversation we're jumping really ahead a little with this some of the stuff but there's a conversation when they're like oh yeah he got he quit or actually he got fired from his last job mm-hmm. and there's some confusion of how he lost the movie that he was on mm-hmm. and it's like well that's kind of like incredible or like adventures for him where it was like oh he quit no he got fired like he'll say he got fired 
Marvel will say he quit, basically. Like, mm. they go back and forth of what actually happened. Well, I think it's funny, too, because in that run, when they're talking about who to replace him with, I think they also bring up Woody Harrelson, who had not done a superhero movie at that point, but has now. Now, weirdly, this is a brief mention, I think the original mention they had for that, I don't know if it was in the actual movie or if it was in the script and they changed it, that line was Philip Seymour Hoffman, is what oh. they said. Because he was in Hunger Games. Oh, and they yeah. Go, oh, yeah. And they and go, so, he's, he's got hunger. He's doing Hunger Games. And, it, and because he passed away, they had to change the line is what it was. Just a weird tidbit I found in we were searching online that I don't know if anyone cares about. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was fun going back and rewatching this because I, like I said, we hadn't seen it since 2014. It was one I remember loving, and it was the big kind of debate of the year was Birdman or Boyhood in terms of like the Oscar race. Uh, and so it's interesting also revisiting both these movies. We did, I did boyhood for Texas month and then this one pretty quickly behind it. And I can see both are technical achievements is the thing. Mm -hmm. And I can see where the big debate was coming from, but quickly before we dive in, like dissect the favorite, our favorite scenes in the movie, here's a brief history of Birdman. Inuritsu is mainly known for doing dramas and kind of these like tragic dramas with uh, very, uh, very heavy dramas, very heavy dramas. And he was like, I really want to make a comedy but done in one shot and cause he wanted to do something different. And the one shot idea was like, Oh, we live our lives with no editing is what he said. So let's like kind of make a movie based around that and setting it in a theater is kind of an interesting setting for that, where this character is going through some massive change in his life. And so Inga reader told us his co-writers, uh, I might butcher some of these names. I apologize. Nicholas Jacobone, Armando Bo who are cousins and they're screenwriters, Argentinian cousins. And then a playwright, Alexander Dinalaris Jr. And so all four of these guys are writing this movie together and they mainly wrote the script over Skype and Skype and emails because Inuritu was in Los Angeles. The cousins were in Buenos Aires and uh, Dinalaris was in New York. So they were just like all separate across the world and they're, writing this the script it took over a year and a half to write and they all always wrote it with the one shot in mind hmm. and the big one of the big things that in the in the script there a riggan is adapting a raymond carver sto short story and they wrote the script without having the rights to it first <laughs> so they're just like we hope they can, we can do it and they had to get it approved by raymond carver's widow who loved it and said carver would thought the movie was hysterical is what it was the script and when they when they started to go cast it, they had a bunch of names uh, in line for uh, for Riggin, and then Keaton's name came up, and it was kind of like, okay, I think Inuritu basically said it's Keaton or the movie doesn't get made. Mm -hmm. And so Keaton had heard about the movie, then he read the script, and he met with Inuritu, and he was like, hey, are you making fun of me? Because <laughs> it's like it's so close to 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 Batman. Mm. Um, and they go, no, no, this is what it's about, blah, 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 and kind of explain the whole movie to it. And then finally, Keaton decided to come on board. And, I mean, he's he's amazing in the movie. And Keaton, I think, is still one of the most underrated actors of, I think, our generation. It's like, it's like the Batman roles really did like this character, like Riggin. It did affect his, like, trajectory. Like, he kind of... I don't it go into hiding. He still works after Batman up until Birdman, but just nothing ever really hits on a mainstream level. Yeah. 
Um, but he's he's good in every role he's in. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about the Keaton science, like, does it start with the other guys? Like, <laughs> I mean, the other guys was definitely me going like, oh man, it's good to have it's good to have Michael Keaton, Keaton back. back. Yeah, that that was that was one of the main things I took away from that movie for sure. But that it, was 2010. It, yeah, but it didn't feel like you watched that and went, oh, he's he's coming back. That I mean, that felt like he was just really embracing the like character actor portion of his career. Yeah, which he hadn't really done before. Um, he was doing a lot of just weird films. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was like he he did a couple of voiceovers. He was in Cars, Toy Story three. I mean, the big the last big movie I saw him in. This is sad to say this. Uh was Jack Frost with uh when he plays the snowman late 90s remember that remember that really? movie really saw that in theaters <laughs> well, okay wait now i got to go back have you not seen this movie no i have but i've definitely seen him in something between that oh, herbie fully loaded he was lindsay I mean, lohan's yeah, dad but, yeah but that's like i don't care first daughter he was president i i saw white noise but much later that was one where like, i saw a trailer before when it was coming out like, oh michael keaton's in the movie again but I think like when well, my like f- like last movie I went to theater to see Keaton as a lead guy was Jack Frost. Did you, and then later did you ever up, hear the uh, thing that that was that was meant to be Clooney? Was it? Side uh, note. That's the the rumor is if you it was supposed to be Clooney and they they never remodeled the snowman after after they recast Keaton and so it's it's a Clooney oh, snowman. That's that's interesting With Keaton's voice coming out of it that's what I've, I've seen that around on the internet i can't substantiate that at all but <laughs> we'll do that on our podcast about jack frost <laughs> our deep dive into jack frost. yeah i mean look, look up look that snowman back up sometime and tell me that's not 98 clooney in eyes uh anyway that's your brief history i mean again like hell or high water we'll wait another five or six years and then we'll get a big like tell all about what happened on birdman and who was supposed to be who and how it all came about um but that's a quick history so let's just delve into our favorite scenes of this movie i mean it pretty much is one full scene mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's in a way so what are your i mean what are your favorite moments is a better way to probably put this one favorite moments in this movie um i mean i, I really like uh I, re- I really like ed norton throughout like i think he's Same. he's fantastic Same. um and and it's just fun to watch him on screen and it's kind of like keaton and that it, it's playing like you, you brought it up before but it's it's playing on his off-screen persona i don't think anybody thinks yeah. that edward norton himself is that bad but he is someone who is notoriously difficult to work with and and kind of method to the point of frustration when he's working on movies um I also really, really enjoy Andrea Riseborough. Like anytime, I wish, I wish a little Same. bit more time was given to their plot line where she's she's his girlfriend and, and thinks she's pregnant because she's she's a lot of fun. And um, I mean, everyone in the supporting cast is just having a blast in this movie. Yeah, I think um, you can feel you can feel the energy like of the like, oh, we better not screw this up mm-hmm. type deal. Like everyone feels like they're on on their toes for it. Yeah 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 emma stone's i like this this was i remember this as being a, a moment as well as with keaton but galifianakis and emma emma stone just yeah. both being like oh this is this is a new start for both of them and and i think they've both gone on to like follow this path in very interesting directions i agree with you this is kind of a first one where i saw oh she's like not say she wasn't a legit actress before this movie she was she was making decisions 
that were putting her in this position. Mm-hmm. And Birdman felt like the first one, because it was her first Oscar nomination, where she like made that leap from being the girl in Easy A and the star or the Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man to being like, oh, she's like you can see her now making like prestige movies mm-hmm. and not just she she was one of those actors where she made the leap from box office to the artistic choices, if that makes sense. And it's pretty much stayed in that realm kind of ever since yeah. Birdman. Yeah, I think I think Birdman and especially the favorite have very similar tones. Yeah. I think I think Birdman was a great kind of lead up to the, that like really sharp just biting tone of of the favorite for sure and yeah and galifianakis i you know if if you were a fan of, of galifianakis's like stand-up you everyone knew that he had a much darker side to his comedy but i don't think you know i don't think real audiences really saw that i don't think a wide audience really saw that until baskets yeah. and yeah. um and this was this was also kind of your your first clue into that that hey that this this guy he his his career was defined for this short amount of time he was just like exploded onto the scene and it was like the guy from the hangover and this this really felt like him taking control of his career and going all right this is actually where i want to go with this now yeah i did like him and it's kind of a funny story yeah oh yeah he did i I think that was kind of the first like dramatic turn kind of dramedy turn and Mm -hmm. that's this just put him in a serious i mean not a serious director, and I hate saying that to to discount the directors he's worked with. But there's something about like prestige Oscar directors that people want to work with, and seeing Zach Galifianakis in an Inuritu movie is kind of a jarring, yeah, experience at first. Yeah, because I, I mean you can't stress enough how like dark his films were before this. Yeah. So t- even <laughs> even when they were just announcing the cast of this, you were like, this is unlike anything he's made before. Give us a rundown of what he made before this, just real quick. So, I mean, there's there's Beautiful, which is just depressing as hell. Uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem was nominated for an Oscar for that. There's Babel, which is loved loved and hated, um, but is also just depressing as hell. Brad Pitt and um, <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Um, did he do 21 Grams? Yeah, he did 21 Grams with uh, with Johnny Depp. Was Johnny Depp? Like the, Johnny Depp the, wasn't 20 Grams. Sean Penn, right? No, who, Sean Penn, yeah. Just a lot of stuff about, especially about the drug trade and how the drug trade has just ravaged Mexico and South America. And, yeah. um, and Babel. It's like, we're into a theater movie. Yeah, Babel was like a bunch of different storylines all coming together and, and seeing these um, American tourists get trapped in, a, in an uprising in another country. It's so tough tough stuff so yeah that just uh when he was like yeah i want to do a comedy everyone was like uh-huh and um and then to see these this cast start coming out being like wow he's he's actually doing it he's he's going with like comedic actors yeah I, yeah i would argue emma stone was kind of considered like a comedic actress at the time with easy a and super bad galvanakis for sure uh and keaton keaton that was i mean that's a big thing that's kind of haunted keaton for a little bit early on in his career was that he was considered a comedic actor which is why people were upset when he originally got cast as batman mm-hmm. but one of my favorites one of my favorite scenes is Ed, edward norton's introduction when it's like oh because he's playing this mike the character of mike is this just like great theater actor who's been praised by critics who is going to come in last minute the day before opening night to play uh, one of the major roles in the play. 
and he sells tickets, which is Galvanakis, who is Keaton's kind of producer attorney, is so happy by. And it introduces him so well, where he's just like, it's such like a theater, like, image of him standing with a fedora hat in front of a ghost lights on stage of like oh wow let's talk about this play and Mm -hmm. he's so like had or like he keeps going well give me a line give me a line do you know the script no just give me a line i'll 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 make it work yeah yeah i love that he like sets you up he's like yeah i'm just gonna go off the top of my head just give me a line and then he like has the perfect script response back and reagan's like what and he's like because his uh naomi watts who plays um who is his girlfriend has already been cast in the show and she's the one who recommends bringing him in so he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been helping Leslie get off book for a month, man. Like, I know all the lines already. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, and then Keaton says, "Like, no, no, you don't say this." He goes, "You know my lines too. Don't worry about the lines, okay? Just yeah. like, yeah, what do you mean that, right now?" <laughs> it's, it's that. I mean, you all, you almost know it, and, and and we know it from watching all these movies. It's like it's it's that too good to be true moment. Like he comes in, yeah. he sits down with Keaton. He's like, "Man, I know exactly what you what you want to do here. Like, I love this. I'm digging it." Let, give me the lines i already know the script let's go and then you've got that 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 uh, there's like a conversation between keaton and galifianakis or, Ke- or galifianakis is like it's a really tough contract i don't know if we can work this out and keaton's like do whatever you can make this happen and then within like i mean the next within, day within movie time yeah the, 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 this one's a, the, the one shot they, they work it interestingly with like passage of yeah. time and stuff but yeah within within 24 hours he's like trying to break the contract to get rid of um to get rid of him later on so yeah it's i i love and this is kind of playing off norton's persona who's like he's he's an actor who likes coming in and like rewriting scripts or he'll do it occasionally he's either hired i'm not sure how, how it goes about with him but that's kind of what he does in that scene with keaton where it's like no, no no like you're you're saying the same thing four times make it shorter make it make it make it make it faster and get straight to the point and it's also really the first time and this is kind of something to discuss. The first time where you really see Keaton as Riggin, who's playing the character in the Carver story as a good actor. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like Riggin, like all, other times before, it, just, it feels very like, like stilted and just feels kind of fake. And it's just like he's trying to be what a, like a legitimate actor would perform like, if that makes sense. And Norton's character gets something out of him and makes him really feel the scene Vicky, can, no, can i make like, a suggestion I mean, yeah 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 sure no 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 okay no no no, Take no, no forget forget that okay. just just stay with me yeah i'm the wrong person to ask he right. says but what, what is that what's the intention in that is, is he fed up with the subject so he's changing it is he deflecting guilt over the marriage and here's the thing you've got four lines after that that right. all say the same thing i didn't even know the man i i only heard his name mentioned in passing I wouldn't know. You'd have to know the particulars. And the particulars, I mean, it sounds like my grandmother. But 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 the point is, you don't know the guy. Right. We fucking get it. Yeah. Make it work with one line. I didn't even know the man, right? Yeah, right. But I, 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 you know my lines too, huh? Can we not get hung up on knowing lines? Yeah, can yeah, we, yeah. Can yeah. we just work on yeah, this, yeah. tear it apart, right. whatever? So, so why don't you just give me that same thing again, uh-huh. but cut it down. Try it. Okay. Just try it. Uh, hey, I'm the wrong person to ask. I oh, no, but that's guy. the thing. See, I'm the wrong person to ask. What is it? I think it's fuck you. Fuck you. Don't don't put me on the spot, man. I, don't 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 make me feel self-conscious about my marriage while my le- my wife is sitting... Right there. Right there. Yeah. Can I sit down? Yeah, sit. Okay. Sit. Try it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so just, just give it to me as a fuck you. Right. Try it, lay it on me. Yeah. Just do it. Come on, give it to well, me. Thinking. Fuck me hard. Okay. Just, just yeah. give it. Right. Come on, okay. don't talk about yeah. it. Just vote. Hey, I'm the wrong person to ask, right? I don't even know the guy, okay? What's your point? What's my point? Yeah, what's your point? What are you saying? Spit it out. Oh. You're saying what? Oh. What are you saying? You're saying love is absolute. Yes, yes. The kind of love that I'm talking about, it is absolute. The kind of love that I'm talking about, you don't. You don't try to kill people. Yeah, good. I don't know what you think, boss. Okay, you wanna do this with me? What do you think? Everybody's back. Larry needs to see him for fitting. I'll take that as a yes. And the other scene that you mentioned that I love too is when they do the first performance with Norton and they're just like, I think he's really drinking on stage. Yeah. And he's like, and, and, and ends up having a blowout or a blow up when he finds out that Keaton switched his like gin to, or his vodka to water. Yeah. On and stage he just during like the preview. Freaks out. <laughs> he's a guy who Mike is a character who is so it's, and I read one of the articles on uh, articles about this. It's like Mike is a character who like can only find realness or, or real attributes of his life and find out who he is on stage. And when he's off stage, he doesn't want to admit that he's kind of nobody. He only lives in this world of acting because that's where he like searches for the real. That's when he can become a confident person. When he gets off stage, all of his insecurities like come with it. And he doesn't know who he, he's kind of, he kind of loses himself in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he's very much like, I am an actor. I do this for the arts. I, I I will live and breathe on stage. If I die on stage, I'll be happy. Like this, this he's all he's all he's obsessed with this, which is the opposite again. This idea of art versus money, where he kind of like doesn't like Riggin, in a similar way as the theater critic, because Riggin's this guy coming in from Hollywood, and Riggin kind of represents everything Mike hates about the acting about the 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 job of acting mm. but i think he i i think he does because i think he does warm to riggin as an actor yeah yeah i think so i think he comes to and, and i mean you yeah you i think he comes to appreciate that that riggin is going through this process that he deems yeah. realistic or that he deems you know authentic and, and that's something that is kind of the really the major satire of this movie is is you're watching a man completely break down and everyone in on broadway is just lauding oh it. it's yeah it's, 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 it's super realism yeah it's super realism yeah it's and, and i think what is this idea what norton kind of talks about with 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 tabitha who's the the critic where he's just like like he's out there putting his self on the line for people and you're just kind of writing about it. And Keaton comes back and brings that up later when he has a, a tiff with her where it's like, I'm putting everything on the line in front of everyone. And then you're just going to put words down paper to summarize how much like you just like, he talks about how like, and this feels like Inuritu maybe, and may all the writers kind of critiquing how they feel critics act towards their work, where it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of descriptions, but no opinions. It's just like, oh, it's terrible. It's disgusting. It's the worst thing I've ever seen, but never actually analyzing and critiquing the work, which is maybe a statement on our current view of criticism and art, 
like very rarely do you see people actually critique it of like why it doesn't work it's just oh i didn't like it and i don't know why and i i think those scenes are pretty good too the critic scenes they have together because uh it's even the scene where like when when uh riggan and norton are at the bar and the family comes up to get a picture with with riggan mm-hmm. and it's like oh he used to be birdman and no one knows who Edward Norton's character is. Yeah. And that's kind of the dichotomy of the, the, the relationship of theater versus film is that this guy is like loved in the theater community, but because he's not in a movie, no one knows who he is. Well, this is the theater and you don't get to come in here and pretend you can write, direct and act in your own propaganda piece without coming through me first. So break a leg. You know, what has to happen in a person's life for them to become a critic, anyway? What are you writing, another review? Is it any good? Is it? Is it bad? Did you even see this? Let me read it. I will call the police. Call the police. Let's read you. Callum. Callum's a label. uh, Lackluster. That's just the labels. Margin. Margin, are you kidding me? It sounds like you need penicillin to clear that up. That's a label too. These are just all labels. You just label everything. That's so fucking lazy. You just, you're a lazy fucker. You're a lazy. Do you know what this is? Do you even know what that is? You don't. You know why? Because you can't see this thing if you don't know how to label it. You mistake all those little noises in your head for true knowledge. Are you finished? No, I'm not finished. There's nothing in here about technique. There's nothing in here about structure. Nothing in here about intention. It's just a bunch of crappy opinions backed up by even crappier comparisons. You write a couple of paragraphs. And you know what? None of this costs you fucking anything. You risk nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm a fucking actor. This play costs me everything. Any of your favorite scenes? Um, I mean, I love all the stuff with uh, with the critic for sure. I think I think she's great, and and the scene watching it this time, especially I think on a, on a rewatch because I was so stressed out watching it the first time, but on the rewatch, just lo- I, watching and fully appreciating the like Times Square scene is yeah. so is so well done. Where Reagan gets trapped um, outside the stage door in his underwear and has to walk through Times Square to get back. Uh, I mean, from a technical standpoint, just orchestrating that is is amazing. But um, but the the like walk that Keaton does, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just like yep, nothing going on here. Here I go, and everybody just kind of starting to recognize him as he gets this whole crowd built up. Hey, it's Birdman, mm-hmm. and then there's like random like you suck. Like there's someone who's just like hates him <laughs> randomly in the middle of the crowd. I don't get it. It's just like you suck, Birdman. Um, it's a great scene. And it's just, it's, it's, they shot it. I read, they shot it like midnight in Times Square when there was less people there in hopes of not getting that many bystanders. It's also weird watching that scene. If you know New York and you know, he's going in the wrong direction of where the theater actually is. <laughs> like, so it's a weird, when I watch it, I go, that's not where the theater's going. Like, he's going the, the exact opposite way of where this theater is in real life. They do a good job of combining the areas of New York because I think they use like, a different interior maybe it's like the interiors and exteriors are a little bit different they kind of they mismatch some stuff around and it works really well it's like it feels like if you only if you know new york you might see where the cuts and where they're jumping around at but they handle it pretty well um i like the i like the emma stone scene as well 
It's that's like Emma Stone's yeah. big Oscar. Like that's the Oscar tape they play when she's yelling at at Keaton. Mm-hmm. You don't even have a p- Facebook profile. <laughs> I'm gonna come back to that later. By the way, I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> and I also like his scenes with Amy Ryan, his ex-wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the, they're very intimate scenes in his dressing room. I think maybe the last one is my favorite of the two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's something. Uh, really nice i mean they don't really bring it up but you get the feeling that like she's the only person that really knows him from like before he got yeah. huge and so that it's always nice he, he, he it feels like he's comfortable with her and it, yeah. and it's nice to give them a couple of scenes where he can just kind of open up a little bit i love you and i love sam i know I really wish I wouldn't have videotaped your birth, though. Why? Guys, I just missed the moment. I don't have it. I should have just been there, the two of you. You know, just the three of us. But I wasn't. I wasn't even present in my own life, and now I don't have it. And I'm never going to have it. You have Sam. Really, I don't. I mean, she's. No, no, no. Listen, she's just. No, no, no. I get it. I understand. You know, she needed a dad. Instead, she got this guy who's a three-day viral sensation. It is so pathetic. No, no, come on. There are more pathetic things than that. Yeah, like that mustache. You're not here. Last chance for places. You better get back to your seat. And here's a weird question. Do you, th- I mean, even though he has this like huge mental breakdown in the middle of this movie, in the movie, do you think he's in a worse place before this film or during the story? Because she says like, why do we break? Like, I always wonder why we break up. He goes, why do we break up? She's because you threw a kitchen knife at me. Yeah, he does seem to be a little bit more empathetic than what you hear yeah. about his stories in the past. He, he's he's like really trying to throughout the movie. He's really trying to amend his relationship with Sam, who which is which becomes I think ultimately like the the heart yeah. of the movie. Um, and and you can you can they don't really go into details about why their relationship is so broken from before, but it really does seem like he's making a, a much different effort than he than he has in the past yeah and it, and and the same thing with his with his um his girlfriend you know it, it you can it's it's really well done and i think a lot of it just comes from keaton's performance but you're, there's several times where you can see him kind of stop and go like i know how i used to handle this i need to think about how a human being would handle this yeah he he does handle his moments really well and you I, and maybe that's because the mental breakdowns happening because he's more self-aware of what's what he's been doing in his life. Mm. And he's using, he's hopefully using the art as a way to express all this. Yeah. But maybe in reality, it's bringing up all these different things that he didn't want to bring up again. And it's kind of the whole, I think, I mean, I think the Birdman character asked him is that what, what, how did we get here? Yeah. And it's like, how do we get in this shitty, uh, uh, theater dressing room? when we were making millions and millions of dollars and everyone around us is doing amazing stuff, but we're like divorced. Our daughter hates us and I'm putting all my money in this play that will probably do nothing. So another scene I do like, again, this is the Norton scene 
It's when Keaton confronts Norton uh, after the article in the paper, and and Norton's in the in the in the sun in the tanning bed, mm-hmm. and they kind of have their fight. But it's a great moment when Keaton's like he talks about uh, Norton quote like talking about his drunk father or whatever, and the and the article he's like, "Was your father actually an alcoholic?" He goes, "No, I kind of made it up." And he goes, "Well, mine was," and he does this whole scene where you're like, "Oh man, this guy's like a dark character," and then he just goes, "Ha ha." that was on act and Norton's like, that's pretty good. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's just like, it shows you how that's the moment where you really see how great of an actor Keaton is. Cause it's, it's hard to like do bad acting on a movie mm-hmm. and Riggins kind of doing that early on in the movie. And he's able to transition incredibly well from bad acting to realistic acting to incredible acting. If that makes any sense. Like there's so many levels that he's doing in this movie it's it's just amazing, and I'm I'm not realizing it. I, I didn't realize it now until discussing it. Just how good he is in this film. Yeah, yeah. You see, I, I think there's a great journey. I mean, I think there's a reason, and this this can go into you know when we're talking about kind of the tropes. Instead of having that like seeing the whole production at the end, we see like two specific scenes throughout, and and we yeah. see him improve upon them. And I think his his like big line is like what about me why doesn't anyone love me yeah and then he has this realization where he goes i'm invisible and and you're watching in the movie you're watching him kind of come to like come come to realize that about himself not necessarily he's invisible as we see when he's walking through Times square like everyone knows who he is but like does anyone care who he is i guess is the is the ultimate question there he's Birdman, and that's it um but yeah you, you see him just you see that line mean more and more and more to him as the as his experience goes on. Cause I think it's, he, he is searching for love or it's even the whole thing that I think his wife, his ex-wife says is like, you, you confuse love and admiration, I guess is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And he's always after that. And in reality, he just, he kind of needs to, he needs to learn how to love himself. If the cliche way of putting it is that he's, and maybe that's in the play is kind of him discovering that it's discovering like we were saying, we he needs to care more about his daughter, and that's like you're saying is the heart of the story is Sam. That's why I think the ending scene is Sam is finally. I mean, this is the whole debatable ending of what actually happens, but like Sam's finally seeing her father be the man he was supposed to be the entire time, mm-hmm. and that one shot of her looking up to the sky and him possibly flying. Um, We'll, we'll we'll move on because the thing is this movie is just so well crafted where it does feel like one scene. Uh, I also really do like the Sam the Sam and Edward Norton stuff on the roof. I, I, I'm a fan of their their chemistry and even the moment when uh uh when Edward Norton's changing and Emma Stone's there and Naomi Watts Naomi Watts comes in. Yeah, I think I think the movie does a really good job. The script does a really good job with like giving everybody in the movie like something like you you never. Uh, it's a very small like core cast but but naomi watts has a great scene where she's like why don't i have any self-respect and andrew riceborough says oh honey you're an actress (laughs) (laughs) uh any more scenes before we move on um i I might i might you know what i'm gonna give out a little a little shout out to um to my favorite cameo in the movie Uh uh-huh how about that? How about that? Like two second Bill Camp cameo. Oh yeah, that's he's great. Wild. I was like, "What's Bill Camp?" <laughs> I know I, this was pre. I, I I'm I'm not super familiar with his career pre like the night of, um, but wow, 
I mean, that was when watching the night of was when I went, oh my god, who is this guy? But yeah. um, but real yeah, to have like one line as a as a deranged man on the streets of New York. He he was in he he was in the leftovers. I had a very short cameo in the leftovers as well. But uh, so here's the thing: is that moment in key in in Riggins' head? I don't know, man. There's a, that whole night. I don't know, like. I, I I honestly don't know where the like breaks are. It's it's wild. Moving on to onset life, they shot the movie with rehearsals in two months. Is what it was. Uh, there's some great behind the scenes stuff on the Blu-ray of just kind of like them rehearsing it all through, and Inuritsu kind of playing the Keaton part in a lot of the walkthroughs to get the camera movement and stuff right. Um, it was shot by Emmanuel Lebeski Chivo, uh, who I think was so he's like i don't he goes i think it was that he was so worried about doing the movie or he, he read the script was like he was so worried about it because he knew he was going to ask him to do it and he did not want to do he didn't he didn't like long takes is what he said which is so funny to me because chivo is like known for long takes yeah. it feels like and he that's what he didn't want to do I mean, I, i'm sure th- th- probably he more than anyone would know how tough they are to pull off i guess yeah because uh, yeah the, i mean the long take in in there's several long takes and and um, children of men that are just iconic, yeah. um, and then of course you know gravity was and and then you up the ante with the revenant yeah. after that. Yeah. Edward Norton or, or they they, perf- they had to perform 15 pages of dialogue at a time is what the average was. That's wild. 15 pages per shot. I think I read that there were 16 cuts, visible cuts in the movie. And then the last part of Onset Life, or, or two things. Keaton said it was the most challenging role he ever, he'd ever done, and the one that was least like him. Edward Norton and Michael Keaton, allegedly, kept a tally of flubs made by the actors and actresses. Who do you think had the most, and who do you think had the least? Huh. Galifianakis? Had the Is most? Is that least or most? Most? No. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. What, who we got? Emma Stone had the most. Okay. And Galifianakis had the least. Galifianakis had the least. Okay, I mean, I, it, here's the thing. Like I've I watched all his stand up and everything. Some, he he flubs a lot, and you can't tell if it's ever on purpose or not. So they said that he would flub stuff, but make up stuff to make it work on camera. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff they would usually the takes they would usually use is that he would he would make it work somehow. What we got next? Well, I mean, we kind of talked about this. It was up for a lot of awards. The big thing, it was up against Boyhood, and coming in 2014, Boyhood and Birdman were the two big, like, frontrunners, if, if you if you would say. Would you agree? Those yeah. are probably the two big ones. Mm-hmm. It won four Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Cinematography for Chivo. Two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Who should have won Best Actor? Uh, Keaton. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you the the, the names. I, I remember this year was the one everyone thought Keaton was going to win. Like he, like there, there's a there's a clip of him going like, oh no, after he did. Well, he he had he had a uh, allegedly. I keep I like that's my favorite word on the show now. Apparently, is to to sell, save myself. He allegedly had uh, a thing or a uh, uh, a speech, mm-hmm. and he had it in his hand, and he goes to you, you see him put it in his pocket and then start clapping for Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was between Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything, Steve Carell for Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper for American Sniper, Benedict Cumberbatch for Im- The Imitation Game, and Michael Keaton for Birdman. Yeah, this is, no, that's Keaton's year. 100%. I think it's Ke- yeah. I think Redmayne is good. 
I just, I, it's nobody. When was I, the last time anyone talked to you about theory of everything? No one, no one talks I mean, about that. The, the Danish girl. I, I still like to talk about the Danish girl. Shout out Tom Hooper. Um, but yeah, no, who, who talks about the theory of everything at all anymore? Even when, and when I watched it, I mean, Redmayne's good and Felicity Jones is good, but it just, it's, it's like, it feels like a biopic. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. And Keaton is, it's a, it feels like a virtuoso performance by Keaton in this movie. And it sucks, but oh well. Best picture. I'm going to, I'm going to read them off to you. Whiplash. Theory of Everything. Selma. The Imitation Game. The Grand Budapest, Ho- Budapest Hotel. Boyhood. American Sniper. Birdman. I think I still go Boyhood, man. Ah. Uh, I will say this. After rewatching Boyhood, this is a harder decision to make than it was for me at the time. I think I would still lean towards Birdman. But well, it's, it's so it's a it's, toss up. It's, it's tough toss too. Up. It's tough too because I mean they're both excellent movies and and usually you only have one movie that year that is like the technical masterpiece that you can point to and be like, "Oh my god, yeah. how they do that." And this year you had two in very different ways. Exactly. Is you have one that's more of the technical craft in terms of how they're sh- like the 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 one shot deal with Birdman. And that was the thing. It was kind of like Birdman. You, you go for the one shot movie, or the it took thirteen years to make or twelve years to make. Mm-hmm. Which one do you go with? Uh, it's like Birdman or Boyhood took thir- twelve years to make and a number of year a whole year to edit all that afterwards, and then Birdman took two weeks to edit. I'm still gonna I'm. S- <sighs> I think because of Keaton, I have to go with Birdman because it's just that central performance that holds that movie together. And I think the kid in boyhood is what, what loses it for me. Mm. That's, that's my reasoning for it. I think from, from my point of view, (laughs) best picture is sometimes in certain circles referred to as best producers. The producers are the ones who accept the best picture and the idea of producing Boyhood gives me nightmares. The idea of producing Boyhood would keep me up at night for 12 whole years. I don't think I would sleep if I was working on that movie. <laughs> okay. That's a, fa- that's a fair point. You can have your opinion. I'm going to let you keep it. I'm, but it's, it's, I'm still going to go with Birdman. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, what worked about this movie that we haven't discussed? I mean, I, this it's one of those those weird things where like everything comes together perfectly. I think the script, the uh, the way it is shot and the way it's performed all come together to and and the and the score. Yeah. Uh, the the those drums they just all come together to make it this like breathless thing that just moves. Because I can tell you, one shot does not mean that your movie is going to be exciting. Someone, as someone who has tried to sit through Russian art three times and fallen asleep every single time, <laughs> it does not mean that your movie is going to like, it doesn't mean a, a one shot doesn't always mean like a breathless pace. I think that's yeah. sometimes we compare it to that just because we've seen it pulled off in that way. But it, just because you're, you're not cutting. I mean, sometimes a lot of times editing is what helps you get pace. So if you, if you completely lose that opportunity, you have to make the pace up in other ways. And I think I think everything else, like I said, script, 
uh, actors and and score, especially just they all come together to to make the pace work perfectly. Yeah, weirdly, the score got uh, disqualified from the Oscars that year because they used too much uh, like a, like a music that already been used. Yeah, yeah, because all, all the score the score of the play is pre existing classical music, and then they kind of yeah. mix that into the score of the film. In the beginning, it's in the beginning it's pretty well separated that there's only like the classical score is just when the play is up and running but as he i noticed it this time as he starts to dive more into like yeah his um illusions i got his delusions um the the score from the play starts to come in like when he's having his his like real birdman moments you get strings and and all of that yeah I, I i agree with all that i agree the score is great i the one shot is what really looking back on it is works perfectly mm-hmm like sometimes one shots can feel like they're they're too long and it can it can feel like a gimmick and this doesn't feel that way i was never yeah, bored it, by it it doesn't try to be realistic I, I remember seeing it and coming out of the theater and people being like oh well, I, I spotted the cuts and 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 you know that's something a lot of people like to do with 1917 but unlike 19 1917 tried to be like this is real time and yeah. because of that, there's so many people like picking apart, like, oh, it, it can't be real time. You know, it, it, it takes place over a whole night and it's a two hour movie. But this one like yeah. never really tries to be real time or real like this no. is a real camera. Like it, it, it has a kind of fantastical element to it that that lets you just kind of oh, you don't you don't feel the need to look for cuts. Like you don't feel the need to pick it apart. No, it's definitely this like magical realism type movie mm-hmm. where you have like talking about the cut or the, the the transitions where it's like it's nighttime and then it fades to sun to to sunlight to daytime and it handles it incredibly well um there 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 is the whole like uh cut when he shoots himself on stage mm-hmm. it, it cuts to like kind of just a uh, the stuff that was shown up at the beginning of the movie like the, the dead jellyfish and all that um yeah, I think I agree. That's we've kind of nailed everything about what works. Um, did anything not work? Oh man, I have a few things. All right, I I, I, not, I don't have anything in mind right now. What do you have? I don't. I, it's more like questions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And and I don't say it de- doesn't work. It's the whole thing. It did it age well? And that's the social media references. I don't know. It's it's jarring when I hear someone nowadays like talk about like oh you don't even have a facebook page oh i got you a twitter now oh they're going viral and something about just feels like old men trying to be cool if that makes sense like the way it's written mm-hmm. um it's just something it's like i wonder would that movie if it doesn't have those re- like do we need those references if that makes sense Right. It's like you don't even have. I I, I don't know. Yeah, if I, do. I don't know. Some of them did feel. Some of them did feel a little outdated for sure. Yeah, it's because it's like you don't even have a Facebook. I'm like, well, some people would would agree that that should be the thing nowadays. You yeah. shouldn't have a Facebook <laughs> page. Um, or some people would say, oh, Twitter's can be very toxic. You shouldn't have a Twitter account. The one that probably would fit the most is maybe Instagram, and that's never mentioned in the movie. Um, mm. and this is the other thing that was happening Birdman after Birdman that I'm not so sure about is this idea of a older famous person, mainly an, 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 an actor, a man, uh, getting famous off a viral video. A lot of movies after Birdman followed this trope. Mm-hmm. Keaton does it. 
Uh, and the hero Sam Sam Elliott has that where he gets famous off a viral video. And then the comedian with Robert De Niro, he gets famous off like multiple viral videos. And it feels like a very easy like cop out in a story where, oh, this video went viral and you're now famous and have all these followers all of a sudden after all these years of not doing anything. It just feels it's a reach. And maybe it's because at this point in 2014, people really didn't understand how to like viral if that may, how to go viral mm-hmm. and there really is no clear-cut way of how to go viral and it just kind of feels like cool we'll just like set this put put this piece into the movie and it'll make complete sense because no one really knows how to go viral does that, like, does that make sense yeah yeah like just something about that trope i wanted to write an article about this at one point because i'm just like it feels so weird that like it's all these like comeback movies the way to get a comeback is you go viral on youtube mm-hmm and it just feels it feels date outdated to me already. Six years later. What are you doing? I'm posting a photo on your Twitter page. I have a Twitter page. Yeah, I set it up today. Let me see. No way. No, you look hideous. Oh wow! Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm just kidding. No, I'm actually not. You you do look hideous. You got eighty thousand followers, in less than a day. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna scare the shit out of all of them. Let me look at it. Mm-mm. It's done. Uh, okay, moving on to alternate universe cast. There's a few of these. Originally, Josh Brolin for Mike, for Edward Norton's character. Hmm. Interesting. But the the financiers wanted to change change the roles. Apparently, for some reason, they cast Edward Norton instead. Thoughts on Brolin in that role? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he would have. I think he would have been a little too imposing, like a little too threatening. I think part part of the part of the fun of of um norton in this role is he's not a like physic physically threatening person like he no. doesn't have that like deep yeah. voice he's not a big guy and um so some of the times when he just kind of like goes off the deep end you're just like what is, what is this guy doing like um and, i mean not to say he can't be physically threatening he's terrifying in american history x but like you yeah. know and, and normal on the street edward norton is, is not necessarily a scary looking dude where, where brolin is <laughs> Yeah, this was a this is a weird period when Brolin was kind of like hop like he was rumored for a lot of different movies. Mm-hmm. Like he was originally rumored to play Batman in the Batman versus Superman role. Uh, he was originally talked about for, I feel like he was talked about for Jurassic World at one point, where he was going to play the Chris Pat Chris Pratt character. Wow, yeah, like he was hopping around where like he was trying to find a a big studio film or kind of a big prestige project. And nothing was really clicking. And then kind of Thanos stepped in and then Deadpool 2 stepped in. Allegedly, this feels a little... This is something I found online. I don't know if this is true. I don't think she was big enough yet, but maybe she was after Wolf of Wall Street. Margot Robbie for Sam allegedly turned down the role of Sam. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I really love Stone in this role. And, and I think it was the perfect time in her career. So I don't know. I, I agree. It's, it's hard to see someone else in, in that. Uh, I also have three actresses who auditioned for the role of Sam, apparently. Lily James. Okay. Amelia Clark and Blake Lively. Yeah, I mean, those all make sense. Those, yeah, yeah. Those are all the people I would age, I would see for age that. Age range. Yeah, age range and everything. Uh, maybe I, I wasn't. I, I know Lily James was like on Down Abbey at that point. I wasn't really on the Lily James train in 2014. 
I saw I saw uh, I saw Cinderella in theaters. That was the first thing I'd ever seen her in. She was very good. Was that, was that 2015 or yeah. was that? Yeah, that wasn't okay. long after. Amelia Clark's doing Game of Thrones. Blake Lively. I don't. Had she done the town yet at that point? I don't yeah. know if she had. She had. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. The town was. Twenty. Oh yeah. Way before. You're right. Because I forgot. I was. I was still in college. I was an undergrad when Arthur came out. So yeah. Uh, those make sense. And all kind of people who were on the verge of like making that transition in some way, like either from like TV to film or lesser known, like uh, Lily does it in the town where she's kind of playing a, a, a darker character. But besides that, I don't want anything comes to mind with that. Mm-hmm. Fun facts. The Birdman suit was made from a mannequin of Keaton's own body from Batman 89. Wow. And when you want, I watched the behind the scenes and he goes, really? And then Inarritu walks in and goes, still fits. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just like, still the same shape I was in 89, baby. Awesome. Still, still going strong. Birdman was the first movie in 34 years to win Best Picture without receiving a Best Editing nomination. <laughs> the last movie to do so was Ordinary People. Hmm. Uh, it was the first film to win Best Picture that was shot entirely digital. Oh, wow. This is the second longest title of any movie to win Best Picture because of the Birdman or Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Can you guess the number one, the movie with the longest title? Lord of the Rings Return of the King. That is correct. Hey! <laughs> and this is the last one, and this is more of a discussion piece. Do you know the original ending of this movie? I do not. No, I've never heard that. The original ending, it was written... And Inuritu apparently hated it, and they he wanted to do something else, which is why you get the hospital scene. Hospital scene was not in the movie, not in the original script. The original ending intended to depict Johnny Depp in Riggins' dressing room with the Pirates of the Caribbean poster and Jack Sparrow talking to him. Oh, wow. Show, <laughs> showcasing the vicious cycle of this story oh that's that's very all about eve of them it very much so i can't i kind of love that it's it's a little too like on the nose it's a little too silly yeah but um i don't think disney would let them have him in that was as jack sparrow like not at all hands down i don't i mean it's interesting it's a different movie it's a different movie it feels Mm. that ending feels more like a hollywood ending in some way and the hospital scene feels more like an Inuritu movie. Well, it does. It it does. It is more. You know, you can see from Inuritu's point of view too. It is that is a more definite ending. Like we are to understand that Riggins has blown it now, and, and yeah. he is he is done. And um, and with the ending that we're given, we're not really sure what happened. Did he just kill himself? Is is he flying because his career's just taken off and yeah. he's a superstar again? What what is what is meant to be? shown there and you yeah. can you can see in your in your is kind of the kind of person that would skew a little bit more to like leaving leaving some questions open i think but it would have been fun seeing johnny depp at least in deleted scene as jack sparrow just mm-hmm. have, him the, have him on the blu-ray but it's yeah it, it's almost silly like it's it feels like ending. something it feels like something they do like as a like a little thing like an intro to the oscars you know sometimes when they used to do like those things where they yeah. put billy crystal like yep. in the different movies yeah, yeah. If Johnny Depp hosts the Oscars, that's what he would be doing. Yeah. How do we get? He just it'd be Jack Sparrow through all the movies of 2014. Jack Sparrow in Boyhood. Jack Sparrow in Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh man, what a time! Anyway, yeah, those are the those are the facts. Do you have any story questions? 
I want to know. I, I want to know how much that the, the full production of that movie co- or of that play costs. Oh, like how much? Like uh, like how much were the rights? You know how much? How much? How much did had he really blown on that? Yeah, because he, yeah. he 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 tells he tells uh um, Amy Ryan uh Amy Ryan yeah that he's broke yeah like. And he, he says exactly. several re, times re, re, refinance the house. Yeah, it says several times that this play is going to ruin him. But like, how much was that? Did he did he save away his Birdman money wisely and then blow it all on this, or or uh, you know has he been has he been blown it all and this is like a last ditch attempt to like get it back a little bit? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I was also wondering, like, how good was the play? Yeah. Like in actuality, because we only seen like those two. We see uh, the 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 kitchen scene when it's all them talking about love you have the scene where he finds Naomi Watts who's playing his wife cheating on him with Edward Norton and then you have the dream sequence the reindeer the reindeer yeah that's it yeah but but I mean that's the question too at the end at the end if he if he's not dead um if he hasn't just thrown himself out the window and if he hasn't you know there's you know there's so many things that could symbolize and one of them being if if he is truly out there flying, does that mean he's broken free of the of the burden of, of everything else? Um, but, you know, if, if if the flying is meant to symbolize his career taking back off again, is it, is it really going to go like Zach Galifianakis has said? Like he said, you know, we're going to play, we're going to do a worldwide tour. We're going to be on the West End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a movie coming. Like, it, it does that happen? But you gotta you gotta answer what the end of the movie means first, and then see if if of all these different ways you could take the end of the movie, if that means he's being successful, like how long does this play run? Yeah, and who stays in it? Does he stay in it? Does Edward Norton stay in it? Yeah. Also, also the you know the next time you know it, does it get all this huge press, and then the next time he doesn't accidentally kill himself on stage, does everyone, <laughs> everyone hate it? it. Like, yeah. Does he win a Tony the next that year? Like what goes on? Uh, on to awards. The Beatrice Strait Award for an actor actress with limited scenes but kills it. Um, I think it's got to go Lindsay Duncan same, as the same, uh, as the critic as the critic. Yeah, she's incredible. I think the only thing I've ever the only other thing I know her from is About Time, which we all know you is, is a movie very near and dear to my heart. But she plays a very different character. Yeah, um, and then she's also in the the Leftovers. Um, she was in the last season of the Leftovers and was very good. But um, you know, just just from the few things I've seen her in, I've I've really enjoyed her and everything. And she. I think she brings out the best in Norton and in Keaton. I think both of them have their best scenes. I agree. With her. You headed to Hollywood, Mike? No. No, Hollywood's heading here, Tabby. Good luck with that. A man becomes a critic when he cannot be an artist the same way that a man becomes an informer when he cannot be a soldier. A Flaubert, right? He's a Hollywood clown in a Lycra bird suit. Yes, he is. But tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, he's going out on that stage and risking everything. What will you be doing? Don't you ever worry that I'll give you a bad review? I'm sure you will. If I ever give you a bad performance. Miss Dickinson. That's for Shiner. The Joe Pesci X Factor Award for a supporting actor who nearly steals the movie. I think I'm gonna go Stone. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think because she she is someone that I eternally think of as having the X factor now. Like if she's in something, I'm like, oh, she's gonna kill it. And I think this was the movie that like, did, I mean, I, I you know I I knew she was very charming from like Easy A and all that stuff, but like this was the movie that made me go like, she can do whatever she wants to. Like she she's 
she's the kind okay. of person that got has the the talent and the ambition to like just nail whatever she wants to do okay interesting i i mean my my nominee is edward norton for this i i i I would back you i mean he's i i love ed norton like it's one of those things it's hard it's hard to reconcile these stories you hear about him being so hard to work with but but, and then but the thing is then i've heard good stories about him that's the other thing that no one talks about yeah well for years everybody was saying no director i'll ever work with him twice and now he's made like four movies with wes anderson so you know so maybe maybe he's mellowed out a little bit as he's gotten older but um but he's he's incredible i went to a q a like a a, a sag after q a with him and he he's he comes by himself he doesn't really have like uh entourage with him gets his coffee and then just is very open about the process and he that's why it it does feel like a little bit like like he's playing he's a little bit like mike in this character where he's so passionate about the work and the process Mm. and the art of it well i mean and that's you know that's the 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 stem of all the complaints about him is the is the experience on the set of american history x which i mean his defense of it is that he saw an opportunity to make this movie better and he was going to take it to make the best movie it could be and uh, it rubbed some people the wrong way and it's become kind of notorious but you know if 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 he truly believes in himself then then who knows maybe that's his right to do it yeah it's a photo finish between the two we'll let you guys yeah. decide emma stone edward norton yeah i do i it, well and it's interesting too that they these there's two these are two roles where she's he's bringing so much of his persona to it and she's and she's she's building it from scratch yeah, yeah she's she's she she has nothing in common the with big this character. Arg- the big argument that you that you could say of why emma stone would win is that this movie is more important to her career than it probably is to Norton in terms oh, of yeah. like trajectory. Like mm-hmm. Norton is going to continue making the same movies no matter what. Does Stone make La La Land or uh, favorite after this movie? I don't right. know. Yeah, I uh, think definitely not the favorite. I think this. I think this movie leads directly into the favorite. Yeah, one hundred percent. Which, by the way, if you watch The Favorite, do a double feature with All About Eve. They're basically the same movie, just so you know. (laughs) Why do you act like a dick all the time? Do you just do it to antagonize people? Maybe. You really don't give a shit if people like you or not. Not really. That's cool. Is it? I, I don't know. Hey. Hey. What? Let's play a game. A game? Mm-hmm. What are you, eight? What are you, 78? Truth or dare? Oh, come on, let's, let's... Truth or dare? Oh. Truth. When we first met, you made a comment about my ass. Why'd you do that? You have a terrific ass, and I noticed that. And then I just commented on it. Truth or dare? Dare. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's a bald guy. He's gonna walk right under you, and I want you to spit on his head. No. You said dare. Truth. No, it's too late. Oh. <coughs> you happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Gene Hackman MVP award, the person, actor, actress, director, who basically carries the movie through 
I, there's no other answer here. Maybe Chivo. Maybe you could argue Chivo, but it's it's got to be Keaton. Yeah, you could argue Inuritu because he's a co-writer, he's a producer, he's a director. But Keaton is just... He proves everyone right the 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 the, the small few the small uh few that believe he's one of our greatest actors working today because <laughs> yeah. he's so talented and i i've never really seen him give a bad performance again the range man the yeah. freaking range yeah. this is beetlejuice we're talking yeah. about you're looking at a guy i mean uh, i mean he he's I, I had this conversation with a friend of ours who said like is is I've always thought about how Gene Hackman, which is why this, this this award is called that. Gene Hackman is always a guy who was in bad movies, but never gave like a bad performance. Like everything he said, it feels like he believed. Mm. And he was like, is Keaton our generation's Gene Hackman? Is he the guy who's in, who can be in bad movies, but somehow like you believe him? And I got to shout it out again. I've shouted this movie out on the podcast before. And one day I want to do an Amy Heckerling episode, but it's this movie he was in called Johnny Dangerously that I was obsessed with when I was like a preteen, and he's incredible in it. It is it is like a, a full out like Mel Brooks style just farce, and he he just kills it as like the the, the main character. He's like a, almost the straight man. Like everyone else around him is just wacky, and he has to play like the grounded guy. But um, yeah, and and he can he can be like I think he follows this up with two really great performances especially in the in spotlight he is so i mean he's like your dad he's everybody he's the dad of this newspaper yeah yeah. and and he's just so likable and you're you're just like oh man i just want this guy to like lead these this group and and get this done and um and then spider-man i mean i I, it feels weird to be like praising a superhero movie on the episode when we're doing birdman but he's so good in that movie he is he's it's one of my favorite just like villains they've had in that series as he's extremely relatable like you you get where he's coming from but he is just like so fun to watch be bad it's it's a blast let's get the hell out of here while we can i ignore this mental formation this is a mental formation stop that shit this is just not a mental formation i'm you asshole leave me alone you were a movie star remember pretentious but happy i wasn't happy ignorant charming now you're just a tiny bitter cocksucker fucking miserable i was fucking miserable yeah but fake miserable hollywood miserable what are you trying to prove that you're an artist well you're not fuck you no fuck you you coward we gross billions what are you ashamed of that billions and billions of flies eat shit every day so what does that make it good i don't know if you noticed but that was 1992. You could jump right back into that suit if you wanted to. We're not dead. Look at me. Look, look at this. Look. I look like a turkey with leukemia. I'm fucking disappearing. This is what's left. I'm the answer to a fucking trivial pursuit question. You're an imposter here. Eventually, they're going to figure you out. But part of this, don't you get? You're dead. Please. We are not dead. Oh, please, just stay dead. We are not dead. Stop saying we! There is no we! I'm not fucking you! I'm Regan fucking Thompson! No, you're Birdman. Because without me, all that's left is you. 
a sad, selfish, mediocre actor grasping at the last vestiges of his career. Final questions. Here's the big one for Thomas. If this film was remade in the 1980s, who do you cast? This that's really tough, man. I've been I've been stewing over this ever since you brought this up. I the, the all right. Here's here's what I think I've got. Okay. Who do you want? Who do you want? Who do all you have? I've got Riggin. I've got Mike. Um, I don't really have a Sam. I didn't really come up with a Sam, but I'm sure I could think of one. Eight like eighties. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know how this would play out. I think it's a I think it's a huge risk. But <laughs> I think maybe you could pull it off. Okay. Okay. First off, I'll pitch you my mic. Dustin Hoffman is as as Mike. I'd buy that. It's Tootsie. Yeah, it's you know, he, he, was, tootsie. he was one of the first people to really get a lot of press as being like new age method. Like, you know, yeah. Lawrence Olivier would talk about and how freaked out he was by him. Like, so I, I think he had that persona in the 80s yeah. to bring in and be like, this is the guy that like, you know, Meryl Streep said she'd never work with him again. That yeah. kind of thing. He's a problem that guy. Uh, problem that guy. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's it's his character in Tootsie. Like he's yeah. it's, it's it's when he can't work with anyone because he keeps critiquing. Yeah, the he's great. He's incredible, yeah. but he's a little too New York for everyone. Like yeah. he's a little too method. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I can go with that. I, I mean, I think you already know who I'm gonna say for for Reagan. No, go ahead. Adam West. <laughs> you have to. Oh man, that's a that's a. I mean, you're you're at a really weird time. I, I was trying. I did some research. I was trying to think of like someone who was in like the first wave of superheroes, but you. You, I mean, the radio serial guys were all kind of done, but we're all like dead by then. Um, is, Chris, is Christopher like Reeve you too had young? Batman from the TV? Sh- yeah, because they were still putting out. I mean, eighty three, Christopher Reeve, I think did Superman three. I mean, that's okay. Um, you could, I mean, you could change it a little bit to be like where he's not like necessarily like aged and washed up, but he's still trying to like break away from Birdman. If, yeah. If you change it like that, then yeah, for absolutely, I would cast Christopher Reeve one hundred percent. Um. But then I was also, I was trying to do Cowboys. I was like, do you change it to be like Cowboys? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, a lot of the Cowboys died in like the 70s. Like John yeah, Wayne yeah. was dead in the 70s. Like, I think you got to try Adam West. <laughs> I do, yeah, I think, I think Christopher Reeve, I think Christopher Reeve would have done a really good job with this if you had made it like, if, if you had changed it to be like, this is the turning point of your career. Do you want to do another Birdman movie or do you want to go to the stage? Uh- I think that that plot line would have worked with him. I'm gonna throw one out. Mm-hmm. This is my it's my too random, but I'm just thinking of like a guy who's really big at the time, who would be an interesting career makeover. Burt Reynolds, thoughts? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like action star. Yeah, yeah, Don, yeah. yeah I can see that. And, and weirdly, because in the movie Hooper, Burt Reynolds plays a stunt man, and he's the stunt man for Adam West. <laughs> that's that's the connection. Do you have a Sam? Yeah, I mean, not off the top of my head. There are a lot of really talented actresses in the in the early '80s. You know, maybe maybe I don't know who'd be younger than Adam West. Um, well, you're looking at like mid twenties. Yeah. Jennifer Conley? How old Jennifer Conley at that point? Yeah, I think she might have been a little too young. She was still playing a teenager. And in... Meg Ryan. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Meg Ryan could be interesting. Hmm. <laughs> sure, Meg Ryan. Yeah, Meg Ryan. I'm still trying to picture. I'm still trying to picture Adam West and Dustin Hoffman like <laughs> in a movie together. Yeah, just facing off against each other. Who directs it? I think. I think that. I mean, that's the thing. You got to bring him in. You got to make him audition. I don't know that he could pull it off. He's yeah. so camp. But yeah. um, but I think 
if you're if you're trying to create the exact same feeling that we had and i mean it's of course it's batman both times and i'd prefer it to be a different superhero but if you're trying to create the exact same feeling that that a lot of people had walking into this to see keaton in this i think it has to be adam west i'm gonna i'm gonna say one that could be interesting let me see Mm -hmm. i'm gonna see if the years are right he might he might be too big at this point robin williams coming after mork and mindy yeah, but what I mean, at what point did people start taking him seriously? I th- I mean, when you have like Vietnam, Good Morning Vietnam. That's or... eight, that's eighty seven. Okay, yeah, maybe throwing it out there for you guys. We got Adam West, Robin Williams. Adam West is just a weird. Is it just a touch of off? I looked into thing. another one. I another one I looked into. If you were gonna go like younger with it, like the Christopher Reeve direction, that I think could be really good was Mark Hamill. If you were going in that direction, yeah, like I this like is, Mark Hamill. This is the turning. Not not like the revitalization of his career but like the turning point the turning point um, i like that who else do we, who else do we have who's the zach galifianakis character <laughs> bill murray bill murray yeah that makes that makes the most sense who directs it i have i have a pick oh man uh altman okay that's not a bad pick I, i'm gonna go scorsese okay it's it's after hours is what i think this, he gets the pace yeah i think yeah, he knows the pace it's, for sure it's, it's, it's like after hours but in the theater uh yeah i think i think it's good does this film fit with any other genres i think this is this is squarely i think this was the most theater movie we had had in a long time when it came out i think when you jump from like all about eve to birdman it's good comparison piece because they're both just like in the theater Mm -hmm. i don't know where you put this other like where do you put this story maybe in making a movie but i feel like it doesn't really work because you need that audience they're watching like maybe a musician i don't know how does this film fit within the theater genre? I mean, I think it definitely has to speak to. I mean, we've we've seen some of these movies about like the fall of an actor from like an outside point of view. Yeah. Uh, like Forty Second Street is more. We're, we're not necessarily meant to sympathize with the like the 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 star of that. Um, mm-hmm. more so with the with the rising actress there. But I, I'd say with like All About Eve or with Stage. What's the one? Uh, opening oh, night. Night. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're a little bit more in their minds as they're like kind of seeing themselves lose their grip on power, and I think I think this fits right along with that. This is this is it delves into it a little bit deeper than I think we've we've seen before yeah. on one of those, and it gets a little bit more dark for yeah. sure, and a little bit more satirical as well. But I think it it is fully within that that weird subgenre of the theater genre that is like losing your fame and and the the complete like horror of. Of, of losing it and uh, and doing anything to get it back. Yeah, it, it's it's good you bring up opening night because that's the one I think this movie is very similar to because opening night is about a an actress who is not accepting the fact that she's aging and needs to play roles that are more in line with her age and she starts to see uh, an obsessed fan that died and she begins to relate that to her younger self. So she's having scenes mm. and conversations that this of this vision of this young girl who haunts her that's in her mind that's her younger self. And she has to essentially somehow get rid of it before she can finally reach um, her full potential as an actress. And she shows up like drunk to the final performance after she feels like she's gotten rid of it finally. And that's very similar with this with Birdman where he's having conversations with his alter ego that plays Birdman, but essentially is his younger self as Birdman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
Well, and they also they they you know they, no one really outwardly addresses I feel like his age in this, but it's very obvious to us anytime he's in a scene with with the 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 three his three other cast members are yeah. much younger than him. Much and, younger. And the, I think it's 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 mostly pointed out by the continued like motif of the hairpiece. Yeah. Throughout the movie, like he's he's always he's fumbling on. with some sort of hairpiece yeah. that no one else has to. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's you know it, it's very subtle in that it's never like you're too old to play this part, but it, you're you're supposed you can see it like it's there. Yeah, he ends up having the name just the 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 wig, not the name the hairpiece for the 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 dinner scene, but the hairpiece when he comes into the uh, the motel that's just almost so like comic, like the cur- mm. the curly hair on Michael Keaton just looks so. It looks like a wig. Yeah, it's too it's too dark. Yeah, yeah it, the 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 color's too dark and it's curly. Yeah, the other hair actually works fine. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a solid wig, but that one that one doesn't. Uh, the theater though, but yeah, it's it definitely it definitely fits into this. It definitely has the the aging star. It has the the theater critic, the idea of critic taking on like essentially kind of attacking uh someone who's who's uh harming the purity of theater and in a way the actor as well is is it a good companion piece to to all about eve is it is it a double feature yeah absolutely They're both theater which one do you do first all about eve first or birdman first i think you got to start all about eve yeah i think you okay. got to do it chronologically okay I'll, I'll keep i'll go with that uh anyway that's our episode for birdman guys uh Next week is our final episode in the theater month for June. We're going to be covering Bob Fosse, his filmography. Uh, Only made five movies, so it's going to be an interesting conversation, but definitely they're within the theater world. And so go rent them on Amazon if you can find them. Some might be streaming. Yeah, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Give us a like, give us a review, give us a rating. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow us on Medium. And yeah, that's all we have for you today. Thomas, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. And guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.